This is Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for podcasting. Thanks for telling everybody, telling most people that you know about this show. I get a lot of that. People, well, George, your show is great. We we even told a lot of other people about it. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay. I'm really more enthusiastic about that than ever. Believe me, believe me, because if it wasn't for you, I would not be here. All right, it's the George Wilder Jr. Show is being broadcast live out of the city, out of the city of Chicago. Sometimes I stutter, but <laughs> I seem to um, get over it after a while. Sometimes I do get nervous on my own show. Sometimes I do get nervous. You, you talk about people on the phone calling in, uh, you know, being guests. Some of those folks are nervous. They don't realize I'm just as nervous as they are, you know, but we have to get over it. And I can tell sometimes people are nervous. They stutter. They, you know, they're not themselves in some cases. And I try to brighten, uh, enlighten them, try to motivate them to, hey, it's your, you're on the phone. I'm here. You know, we're together. We're talking. And most of the time, it's not an interview. It's a conversation, you know. And... uh yeah, sometimes I get nervous on my own show. I, oh my God, I got to go on. Oh no. <laughs> Somebody's going to call in and curse me out. Um, so yeah, I uh, I get nervous, but it's fun and I love it and I always will love it and I'll be here until hell freezes over. And actually, it looks like hell, hell is freezing over right now because it's cold as hell in Chicago. And uh, we're wearing winter coats, boots, and, you know, the girls. Sometimes I feel sorry for the young girls because they have to cover up. And some of them are so, you know, so stubborn, they will not cover up if it's 20 below zero. But anyway, in general, everybody is, you know, uh, covering up. I mean, it's winter. It's it's winter. I mean, it's cold. It's We've had a few snow uh, uh, storms, flurries, or whatever you want to call it. So it's it's uh, December, hey, wow, and, uh, you know, hey, <laughs> it's cold. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. Before I, you know, actually came on the air, we were watching a movie, an old movie, a uh, Tom Cruise movie, um, Jack Reacher. I mean, I used to read the books by, uh, all the all the Jack Reacher books by uh, Lee Child, author Lee Child. And um, before Tom made these movies, the Jack Reacher movies, you know, I pictured, and even inside of the books, the novels, uh, Jack Reacher is a very, very tall man. He's a big man. Tom Cruise, who plays him in the movie, he's short. So it, it's, you know, there's no doubt about it. When Whenever someone says that the book is better than the movie, Believe them. Believe them. Because there's been so many movies that have been made from novels that are just awful. And uh, You know, you go, you go read the book and you find that the book is way better than the movie itself. Because, you know, 
Hollywood is always going to try and Hollywood ties or Hollywood rise everything. They're going to change things. They're going to make it a little bit more dramatic for, you know, to make it more appreciative or attuned to the audience. So they're going to, you know, put all kinds of stuff in, in the movie that's not in the book. And, but still call it, you know, still say it's based on the book, a true story or a fictional story. But anyway, we were watching uh, Jack Reacher with Tom Cruise. It's okay. <laughs> it's an old movie, these old movies. But I, I am a Tom Cruise fan. I mean, I really do like Tom Cruise. I mean, I think he's a gr- good actor. I think he can be a great actor. I think his time has probably has come. And like so many other actors, they're still out there doing it. But the best time that they've ever had was probably early in their careers. You know, I mean, Bruce Willis, I think he's washed up. Uh, some of some of my other favorites, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, he's getting, these guys are in their 70s and 80s and they're still doing it. And they're looking ridiculous doing it. Uh, go somewhere and retire, spend some time with your family, enjoy your money, you know. Um, get out of the uh, Hollywood movie making business because you're just going to embarrass yourself. And I wish Tom Cruise would do that too. I mean, he's a multi-billionaire or millionaire or whatever. He doesn't have to keep making lousy movies like The Mummy <laughs> or some something called American, I, I believe it's American Pie. I could be wrong. But anyway, um, I do, the movies that I do enjoy by uh, Tom Cruise is some of his very old ones, like the Mission Impossible movies. I thought they were great. I mean, I just love it. I mean, I just love that soundtrack, the Mission Impossible soundtrack. But the Jack Reacher movies, I don't think um, he was properly cast. He's not Jack Reacher. Not from, not, you would agree to also if you read the novels by Lee Child. Child and there's a lot, a lot of, uh, Jack Reacher novels out there. About four or five after, four or five more Lee Child books were probably written after the movies were made, after the two movies were made. But anyway, I I, uh, was a fan of, uh, is a fan of Lee Child. And I read, before the movies came out, as I was saying, uh, Jack Reacher. I had four or five Jack Reacher's novels. Neither, (laughs) Neither of them did I finish. But I did manage to get uh, a significant uh, part of those uh, novels read. And I enjoyed what I was reading because as I was reading, I was picturing how Jack Reacher would actually look. Uh, I, I was imaging him in my head. But when I saw the movie and saw that uh, Tom Cruise was playing the part, and I'm saying that he's not Jack Reacher. I'm not dissing Tom Cruise as an actor, but there's a lot of actors who take parts that they're not equipped for. And I'm pretty sure Lee Child, I mean, when he first realized that Tom Cruise was going to play his leading character from his novels, I mean, I'm pretty sure he was overjoyed. He was overjoyed. But in the novels, you know, Jack Reacher doesn't look nothing whatsoever ever like Tom Cruise. I believe Tom Cruise is short. And 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 in the book, the novels, Jack Reacher is over six feet, I believe. 
and <laughs> not dissing uh, uh, Lee Chow and his books, but uh, you know, I mean, I mean, if they can find an actor close resembling what uh, Lee Chow had had created from his novels, that would be great, you know. But I mean, the Lee Child um, movies, the two movies that Tom Cruise has made and produced they're okay they're action i mean some of the stories are ridiculous but they're action oriented i think tom does a the best that he could uh can with this uh part and he he manages to pull it off but he's just not what we see in our heads when we read the novel he's not the jack reacher that we um uh see once when we read the novels he's not the one I'm not dissing him. I think he's a great actor. I think he's a good actor. I think he is probably, his best days are probably behind him. But, um, you know, I, we we still enjoyed the movie. You know, we enjoyed it. But he was no, he's no Jack Reacher. And that's not a diss of Tom Cruise. That's not a diss of uh, Lee Child, the author of the books. It's just uh, my personal opinion. And there's others who are... Tom Cruise fans who thinks a little bit of the same way. All right, you've been listening to why am I talking about Jack Reacher? Okay. Why should be talking about my own my own books? Derek Sweat. Um Okay, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. show. Oh, there's a, a big election tonight. Um I haven't uh, turned on the computer yet or the television yet or found finding out the results of of this thing, it's it's six thirteen straight up in Chicago, six thirteen p.m. It is beautiful. It looks like in in the city of Chicago, it looks like uh, a typical holiday evening. You know, I mean, there's Christmas lights hanging in most um, windows around here, Christmas trees, and I mean, it's just festive. It's just Christmassy in the area. And that that's great. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. Okay, my guest today, or should be tonight, is Jasmine Andrews. She, she will share her story. I don't even know what the story is. We have to wait and find out. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's going to be interesting. It's going to be uplifting. It's going to be motivating. Uh, because that's what the that's what this show is all about, is uh, making the world a better place if we can. And I will say this again every time I say making the world a better place, something messy happens. But we're going to still hang in there because this is America. This is our town. This is our world. And it's up to us to make it a better place. Um, there's people out there who are trying to tear it apart, rip it apart. Uh, but those who, but those of us who care about this country and care about the world, we will um, fight for our dignity. Our dignity. We will fight for respect. We will fight for democracy. And we will, and we will fight for our happiness. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show once again. Jasmine Andrews. She will share her story on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Hate has no home here. All of you should be in agreement, understanding each other, loving each other as family, and being kind and humble. 
Yeah, right. Fat chance that'll happen, right? <laughs> okay. Be kind to one another. It is so easy. Be kind to one another, folks. Once again, it is so easy. Happy holidays from the George Wilder Jr. Show. Happy holidays from the George Wilder Jr. Show. That sounds great. That sounds good. That sounds beautiful. That sounds marvelous. Let's see if we can make take a break here. Oh, let's take a break. We'll, we will be right back. Over the weekend, I was listening to some of my old shows, some of my old internet radio shows, not too old, maybe a year or so or two years, and it was something. <laughs> I was I was um, surprised at how good uh, I was, <laughs> the guests were, uh, a few years ago, and um, it was surprising. I, I have to listen to more of my own shows. I barely listen to them. I I'll do a show and that's it, you know. But some of the guests that come on the show, they will preserve the show. They will put it on their website. And they will put the show uh, on YouTube and all that kind of. And I would um, mistakenly, mis- by mistake, you know, come up on the show and I will listen to it. I click on it and everything. And so, wow, did I say that? <laughs> all right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. Just having a little fun here, folks. <laughs> All right, you're on the George Wilder Jr. show. Go right ahead. Hi, uh, this is Jasmine Andrews, the author of Hi, Jasmine. Hi, Jasmine D. Andrews. How's it going? Uh, you still there? Yes, I okay. called. Yes, I'm here. Okay. I uh, um I called in early because. You know, I just was, I was just a little nervous. So <laughs> I just, no, don't in. be nervous. Did um, you hear me no. talking about, did you hear me talking about uh, just a minute ago, talking about that sometimes I'm even nervous on my own show? Well, I mean, yeah, actually, it's a, it's a different type of nerves. I'm not like nervous about what to say or the interview. I was just nervous about, I don't want to be late. <laughs> so I just called. You, and I was just getting call- here. And then I'm, you're fading in Eastern and out. Standard Time. Oh, I'm sorry. Is it yeah. is this better? All right. Yeah, yes, that, that's then, better. Know, I'm on, yes, I'm on the East Coast, so you know, I was like, <laughs> I hope I got this time difference right. 
Yeah, because, you know, a lot of people do not get it right. Some people are calling uh, before the show starts thinking that they're going to get me. And some people call in an hour or two hours later and the show is off the air. So I try to be a little right. bit more specific when I when I uh, talk to people and tell them how how and when to call in. But some people are very, very smart. They know. I mean, hey, well, they know better than I do. Anyway, Jasmine Andrews on the George Wilder Jr. Show. She's here to share her story and uh, give us a little bit of your bio and then tell us a little bit about what you want to share. Right. So my name is Jasmine Andrews, and I am a person mm. of a very romantic disposition. Uh, you know, I've always been kind of a sucker for love stories. And the greatest love story, of course, is the love between Messiah and his bride. So I was always looking forward to being a bride when I was a child, I would have little weddings for my Barbies and I would, you know, match, make them up and, and do all of this stuff. But then I started to notice that brides were not necessarily being treated the way they're supposed to be treated. The bride is seen as uh, someone of a bridezilla or people are scornful towards the bride it seems like the act of a wedding is more like a surrender to the bride where she's kind of giving up her identity to somebody else. And I started dwelling in, or delving into the scriptures and looking further to kind of investigate, well, what happened here? This is supposed to be the happiest time of your life, but why is it that being a bride can come with so much trauma? And I found something out that has been hidden by the church for quite some time and it's certainly some information that people don't want coming out so that's how okay. i got started okay so um you are you saying that i got that people if you're a bride and i mean you're getting married you're a bride you're saying that in some ways that's sort of humiliating I mean, in some ways, yes, because a lot of marriage vows still include the tradition, trust and obey. And for a man, if he were to take a vow before someone to say trust and obey, he would consider that demeaning towards him. So I wonder, well, why would anyone turn to a woman and say to her, yeah, trust and obey that everything that you know in your adult life is nullified by this other person and that you're under his guardianship. I mean, it is somewhat of a ritual of humiliation and sometimes I, it's covered up I was gonna, by the rituals of it, the dress, the ceremony, and it, but it's, it is kind of like a way of ritually subjugating women. I thought that those uh, trust and obey was taken out of the, uh, the marriage vows. It's still there. <laughs> <laughs> because yes. you're you're not so the there. only one that you you you're not the only one that um that uh, that uh, that has had a problem with that. You know, I guess when I first got married, I didn't pay attention to <laughs> to what the the guy was saying. <laughs> you know, I just wanted to you know I just wanted it to be over. But anyway, trust and obey. And, you know, the the thing is about that thing, like. I have known brides who talk about this whole thing about they're standing up there in front of everybody, everyone's looking at them, and it's like they don't even hear it, even though they know what the person is saying. And I know 
a bride herself and she talked about this experience and she was like, I just remember hearing words and then just saying, I do. And <laughs> so it's, it's like the, the ritual kind of is a distraction from like, wait, what did I just agree to? But they're still there. Um, especially in more traditional places, they, they still continue to use those vows, but they never actually look into well, why are they there in the first place and should they be there? How would you change that? Well, a lot of it would have to do with opening up a discussion to actually point out, well, what does it mean for a man to be a head of a household? And what, I mean, what does that really mean? And people have taken that to mean that, well, it's because the man's in charge, he rules, and that the woman's supposed to defer to him. That's not actually true. Because if you look at the relationship between Yeshua, Jesus, as he's commonly known, it says that the head of Messiah is God the Father. Yet God the Father gave all power and authority to Yeshua, the Messiah. So if God is the head of Messiah, yet all the power and authority he gives to his son, and if the man is supposed to be the head of the woman, then that that's not a dynamic of power and authority because the power could easily transfer to her just the way God transferred that same authority to his son. So pointing out stuff like that, you know, you don't want to like read the scriptures with the surface of like, Oh yeah. the woman's just a helpmate. And you know, like you can't look at it like the way a 12 year old boy would, you have to look at it from this perspective of maturity and people who are willing to, you know, ready for meat and not just milk. And, Okay. That would and that would go right into like if you don't want to be treated a certain way, if you don't want to have to stand in front of a crowd of people and say obey someone else, then certainly don't look to your wife to do it either. Well, I I agree. I I never when I was married, I never thought of my wife obeying me. I mean, we had a uh, most marriages are equal. You know, most most relationships I would think are equal. And, and sometimes the, it's, it's the man that's obeying the women. And uh, right. so it's not, it's all, it's not always the woman obeying the man, but the, in, in any instance, it should be an equal partnership, I think. Um, uh, because you don't want to say obey, like you're my slave or something like that. I don't think you mean that. So, right. uh so how, I mean, you bring all of this up. Have you thought about how uh, we can do better? Uh, we can, have you thought about taking these three words out of the um, marriage vows, trust and obey? Have you contacted anybody? Have you, you know, uh, you know, I mean, you sound like you, I mean, you sound like you've got a valid point. But, you know, I mean, have you done anything to try to, you know, to say that, hey, wow, I'm I'm trying to get this uh, out of the marriage vows because I don't think this is proper. Right. Yes. Yeah, so I have contacted a lot of ministers and have been met with a lot of hostility, which, which oh. seems surprising. People get the impression that ministers are just very open and this and that. But. Like you were saying, your marriage is a partnership of equals. And that 
seems like that is a very responsible way to look at things, but you'd be surprised that it's not necessarily common. I mean, maybe on yeah. the surface people might say it, but it's, you just delve a little bit deeper and you find that people really still believe and trust and obey. And then on top of that, even just removing the words won't necessarily change people's thoughts because it's just like censoring a movie and where you hear somebody and you say something and you hear all these bleeps or this blank space. Everybody knows what they said, but just having a blank space doesn't do it. So it has to go into a permanent change in behavior. So it's, it's more than just the words, but how we act it out. So I do a lot of work where I go out and speak and engage the community and talk to people to try to get them to start thinking about, like, how did we get to this point? How did we get here? And what can we do to undo it? Yes, yeah, somebody put those, that, those words, trust and obey, into the marriage vows. And I think it should be taken out. I think you're probably going to have to go higher than just a few ministers, you know. You got to get the word out. I I, I don't think it would be that hard for these words to come out of come out of there, come out of the uh, wedding vows because um, um, trust and obey should not be there. It should not be there because women are not, uh, you know, subject to something like that into a marriage. A marriage is supposed to be equal. Everybody's equal. Nobody's higher or lower than any anyone else. It should be equal, uh, equal, equal partnership, trust and obey is, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that, that's like saying, saying to a small child or something, you, you have to obey, which is okay. Obey is good for a small child or something, but I don't think it's good for adults. Right. Yeah, because you say that to a child because a child lacks the experience in life. Or a child really doesn't know too much of anything. So to say that to a grown woman is to say, well, you don't know anything. And that philosophy comes a lot from the Adam and Eve story, as in God created humankind. He took the rib out of Adam and made the woman because Adam needed a suitable helper, which I can get into a little deeper because it's not exactly what people think a helper is. But then he, the tree in the center of the garden, God said, don't eat from this tree. And then, of course, they eat from the tree. Uh, the snake deceives Eve. She eats the fruit and gives it to her husband. And then when Adam was confronted about this, he responded, well, this woman you gave to me gave me the fruit, so I ate. And that mentality of blaming the woman for anything that goes wrong has actually been pretty common and, and taught throughout the generations from one to the next to the next, as if to say that, oh, well, I, she made me do it. It's her fault. And therefore, because she's leading me astray, she has to learn how to obey. And that's not true. And part of what I was saying about with there was some hidden cover up, when the Bible is translated where it talks about the woman being a helper, one word that is omitted from nearly almost every translation in Hebrew is the word neged, which means to strongly oppose or content, which com adds a completely different context to what it means to help somebody if you are strongly opposing or contending as an equal counterpart. So help 
by itself might just imply a subservient relationship. And that's where some people get these ideas that the woman is supposed to be subservient. But when the word neged is included, it changes the entire context of the story. Then on top of that, in Genesis 3, 6, it says, she gave the fruit to her husband who was with her. Now that prepositional phrase completely changes the context too, because Eve was not by herself as the snake was deceiving her. Adam was with her. So if I'm standing here and somebody's offering me some fruit that you know is poison, and then you just kind of stand there and look at it happen and watch me eat it, that implies a motive on your part or that even you wanted to see what would happen. So it would appear that from that perspective that Adam perhaps wanted something to happen to his wife. He wanted her to eat the fruit to see what would happen. And then when she didn't just collapse and die right in front of him, maybe then he felt like God was a liar and went ahead and ate. So this whole story of this scorned bride, because Eve was the first bride in the, in the Bible, it's almost like it's been a murder cover-up where it's been very invention of death coming into the world. All righty. Jasmine Andrews on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Uh, tell us about some of the uh, events that you speak on this subject. How, how right, so, are you receiving? Oh, pardon? I didn't hear that last time. I said, how are you received at your talks when you're talking about this? Well, it's it's usually kind of breaking right down in the middle where it's, it's not like a lot of gray area. You have people who are just like, oh, my goodness, this has really changed my perspective. Or I'm looking at things differently. Uh-huh. Or I have people who are just combative and be like, no, that's witchcraft. That's a lie. You're from Satan. You're the devil. And yeah, in 2017? It's kind of <laughs> Yes, I know. I've I've had numerous people accuse me of witchcraft, um, oh, which is, you know, yeah, and my whole... Jasmine, uh, there's a lot yes. of stupid people in the world, and you just have to um, <laughs> pick up and brush yourself off and move on. Go right ahead. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. So, um, <laughs> and my big thing is I just, I know that this is not a message for the faint of heart, and I know it's, it's something that people haven't heard before. And so when people don't hear something and it sounds different and they might think, well, no, I have to fortify myself because I can't be led astray. This is different from what I've been taught. And it's like, this isn't different as in leading you off the path because God sent his son, the Messiah, Yeshua to save us all. And that is a truth that is, that remains solidified and it's not, this is not a variation of that, but this is a completion of the vision that Yeshua, Jesus, as he's commonly known, is coming back for a bride. And that bride he's coming for, he is not looking to rule over this bride or batter this bride or blame this bride. He's looking for her to be equal with him. So this is just a continuation of the work that Messiah has done. So the different part is not so much that it's a different teaching. It's different because this is something that's been buried and people have not heard this before, but it's always been there in the ancient text. All right. Are you affiliated with some church? You you sound like you might be a preacher yourself. Or are you just out uh, here to no. spread the word? 
Yeah, I um, I don't like to get mixed up with labels or denominations. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm just a zealot for the revelation that God gave to me. And, you know, I just, I read the Bible daily and I want to make sure that I'm always prepared and fortified with the message so that I know that the information I'm giving out is accurate. So if I'm challenging people what they think, I want to make sure that I'm challenging them with the correct information. Uh, Exactly, exactly. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Are you or will you write a book on this subject of uh, uh, trust and obey? Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, Mm -hmm. The book Sullied Bride addresses that issue. Um, One of the scriptures that you hear a lot from people who want to make the woman trust and obey is Ephesians 5.22, which says, wives submit to your husband. Pardon? Is that your book? Did you write it? Are you the Oh, yes. Sullied Bride. That's that's my book. Okay, great, great. Yes. And the scripture that is often misused is Ephesians 5.22, wives submit to your husband. And that's what they say. Oh, that's it, because God wants the wife to submit to her husband. But again, just like they left out the word neged, they tend to group the scriptures to separate it from the preceding verse, which says Ephesians 5.21, submit to each other in fear of Messiah. Therefore, if you submit to each other, it's not a hierarchy of the wife being beneath the husband. It's to say that you are equal and that you submit to each other. And just like you were saying, as equal partners, as someone who loves and respects each other, and that you're not going to take advantage of somebody else's love that they have for you. Like, oh, this person loves me. So, you know, I'm going to just show up late or this and that. And, you know, you're not supposed to take that person for granted. And then in follow up to that, from further research, the word submit was actually added when the scriptures were translated into English. So that was a huge, that would change the, the context a lot too, to say that the, what people are depending on as the basis of trust and obey is actually something that was added and never in the text. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, can you tell us where we can find your book? Because I'm pretty sure a lot of people listening to the show, they're intrigued about what you're talking about, especially when it comes to trust and obey, because I, I totally agree with you. I think it should be thrown out. I mean, I don't think uh, uh, marriage should should be where one guy, the guy is superior over the wife or the wife is superior over the guy. I, I just don't believe that. But, you know, um, tell us where you where we can find your book and uh, give us a few websites. All right. Sullied Bride is available mm-hmm. on Amazon.com or you uh-huh. can get a copy of Sullied Bride at Barnes & Noble. And if you just type in a Google search, there's a long list of other websites where you can get Sullied Bride. It's spelled S U L L I E D and then okay. bride. Okay. And uh, you can look me up on Facebook uh, at Sully Bride. <laughs> Is this your first book? 
This is my first published book, yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So I, I've been right. writing so- since I was a teenager, and then I just, uh, and then this whole concept with everything that was going on in congregations and abuse towards women, it just came up, and the book was published. Yeah, uh, abuse toward women, that, that's another subject we could get into, domestic violence. It's, it's on the rise. And I'm an advocate uh, uh, against domestic violence because I've, I've, I've seen it growing up. I've, I've lived through it, and I've, uh, you know, I'm just an uh, advocate for that. Okay, one last question. Uh, before you leave, what would you like to leave my audience on, on uh, trust and obey? Yes. If I were to just say one thing uh, to women, do Uh not defer your authority. So God did not create you to be subservient, despite what maybe somebody has told you or might be some lies that might have come across the pulpit. God created you to be the independent woman to contend and be a strong counterpart to the man. And to men themselves, you are... You're the protector of the woman. That doesn't, no matter how strong she is, that doesn't change your role. And you are always going to be a man, regardless of how strong she is. Jasmine Andrews on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Thanks so much for being, for doing this show. I appreciate it. Hope you come back someday. Bye-bye. Yes, thank you. Bye. All right, Jasmine Andrews on the George Wilder Jr. Show. I'm Keith Olbermann, and this is The Resistance. I am confident now, even more so than I have been throughout the last year, that this nightmare presidency of Donald John Trump will end prematurely and end soon, and I am thus also confident that this is the correct moment to end this series of commentaries. The important stuff first. There are seven routes in front of Trump. Each inevitably ends in his impeachment or resignation. The first, the likeliest, became a thousand times more likely with the Thanksgiving news of a possible deal between Robert Mueller and General Michael Flynn. As I reported here as long ago as April... (laughs) Making the world a better place, (laughs) one show at a time. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now... The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. (laughs) All right. I'm Keith Olbermann, and this is The Resistance. I am confident now, even more so than I have been throughout the last year, that this nightmare presidency of Donald John Trump will end prematurely and end soon, and I am thus also confident that this is the correct moment to end this series of commentaries. 
the important stuff first. There are seven routes in front of Trump. Each inevitably ends in his impeachment or resignation. The first, the likeliest, became a thousand times more likely with the Thanksgiving news of a possible deal between Robert Mueller and General Michael Flynn. As I reported here as long ago as April 4th, the most specifically qualified expert alive on the subject of prosecuting a president, my friend, the Nixon White House counsel John Dean, put it to me very simply. Mueller is not shooting down. Mueller does not make a deal with Flynn to get Paul Manafort. He does not make a deal with Flynn to get Jared Kushner. He does not make a deal with Flynn to get Trump Jr. Mueller makes a deal with Flynn to get Donald Trump. Period. The Flynn deal report suggests Mueller has completely assembled the backbone of his case and is now just hanging the meat from it. And just as importantly, if Flynn has merely considered a deal from Mueller, it almost necessarily means Flynn either doesn't believe he would get a pardon from Trump or that Mueller, as I've also reported here, has succeeded in finding a way around Trump's pardon power. And either of these near certainties spell Trump's doom. So that's the most obvious of the seven ways for Trump to go now. Mueller really will get him on Russia. It will be ugly and it will tear this country nearly apart, but it will be necessary. The second way is, as I've also repeatedly suggested here, that Mueller doesn't really need to prove anything about Trump and Russian sabotage of the election. There seems to be so much obstruction of justice from the firing of James Comey to the lies about Trump Jr.'s meetings with the Russians, that it's hard to pick out a key player in the Trump inner circle who could not be guilty of it. Trump could be impeached on just obstruction of justice and a few lesser charges. Nixon was about to be. Or there is a third way. We could be spared the trauma of a Russia impeachment or an obstruction of justice impeachment as we were spared it with Nixon if Trump is smart or just sufficiently scared enough, and he resigns. Or if he isn't, those around him who could still sell themselves by selling him out will force him to resign. A modified version of this, of course, is the fourth possible outcome, that even if Mueller is months away from his denouement, the Republicans will impeach or remove Trump by spring purely to save their own asses. The state elections in Virginia and Oklahoma earlier this month show what could face Republican incumbents nationwide next November. Not only were Democratic victories overwhelming, but half of them were little morality plays. The 26-year-old lesbian beats the Republican in the district Trump won by nearly 40 points a year ago. The transgendered candidate in Virginia beats the guy who wrote an anti-equality bathroom bill. The boyfriend of a news reporter shot to death on camera beats the Republican pro-NRA candidate. I'll say it again. Richard Nixon was not forced out of office by Democrats, not really even by Watergate. Democrats controlled the Senate and the House every day Richard Nixon was president. They could have impeached him at any point. He resigned when the leading Republicans went into the White House and told him that not only would he be impeached and convicted, but he would take all of them down with him and they were not going to let him do that. So that's the fourth way out. Trump becomes more of an albatross to Republicans and more importantly more of a rallying cry to Democrats and the Republicans remove him before the midterms and then boastfully run for re-election on having removed him. The fifth endgame is the same thing only faster. The Republicans around him pull off that palace coup that is perfectly legal under the 25th Amendment and Mike Pence and Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell eject Trump by simply stating he is unfit 
and getting their majorities to agree he's unfit. And if you don't think Pence and Ryan and McConnell would do that, you didn't see Trump's crazy tweet about the Man of the Year award or this thing in front of the Native Americans on Monday. And you don't know Pence and Ryan and McConnell. The sixth means by which Trump leaves early is, of course, that if the Republicans don't impeach Trump before the midterms, the Democrats will be able to after the midterms. If Virginia and New Jersey and Oklahoma are indicators, the Democrats could take the House and might need as few as 25 vulnerable Republicans in the Senate to vote guilty to remove Trump from office. But now there is a seventh new path to destruction for Trump, and it has bubbled up from the sewer of his life recently. And even with how Teflon he has been on this particular subject, it seems hard to believe the dam won't break. His sexual conduct as not one snowball, but a decade's worth of them have come down that hill, wiping out all the sleaze bags and emboldening and empowering the victims. It seems impossible to believe that some claimant somewhere does not have tangible evidence against Trump and that they won't say to hell with it and break one of those non-disclosure agreements and Trump will suddenly be envying Harvey Weinstein. Trump himself inadvertently has hinted at this. The New York Times buried the lead on this over the weekend but it reported that earlier this year, Trump told a senator that the Access Hollywood pussy grabber tape was a fake. And he has said the same thing again recently to a White House staffer. He's obviously trying to work the refs of public opinion in advance for whatever is coming next, from a woman here or from Russia. So, I don't see any way out for Trump. Seven freight trains rushing at him. He might avoid a few. He might avoid six of them. He's not going to dance his way out from under all seven. And we, I think, should try to put ourselves in the mindset of those Americans who knew Richard Nixon was guilty as hell after John Dean finished testifying on June 27, 1973. But we're all left wondering if there would ever be a way to prove it. And we're left listening to a majority of the country saying Dean was lying and left watching nearly the entirety of the gullible news media saying, this was nonsense. Why would a president, even one as crazy as Nixon, ever do this? And more importantly, even if he were somehow guilty, how would he ever be dumb enough to leave any evidence of his guilt? And 16 days later, it turned out... Virtually everything in the Oval Office had been taped, and the ballgame was over, even though it would last another 13 months. Well, this ballgame is also over, and I don't think it's going to last another 13 months. And so this series is over. This was intended as something temporary, a two-month project by somebody who had given up politics. And instead it became 187 commentaries and around 225,000 words and something approaching 400 million views. And I am proud of it, and I repudiate none of it, and it has been my privilege to do it, and I'm especially proud to have done these videos for free and for charity. But frankly, I have not enjoyed one minute of it. As I'm certain it has also been for you, for me, it has been unadulterated pain and revulsion and horror. The process has become nearly 24-7, and I've said so much that I can and have recycled old commentaries from months ago, and they have been fully applicable to breaking news. We've come full circle to such a complete degree that on Sunday, Trump tweeted a complaint about, quote, Russia, Russia, Russia. The title of the 46th episode of The Resistance from last March 14th was, quote, Russia, Russia, Russia. I've made my point. 
So now that I think the outcomes, the seven different inevitable outcomes, are unavoidable, I'd like to go back and enjoy some of my life again, and I'm going to. No illness, no scandal, no firing, just I've said what I've had to say. It was as obvious as I made it seem. I give my work everything I can, so it's not like I can dial it back. And I think even this dim-witted world of American political TV reporting, which is still calculating how to get Trump's idiot supporters to watch their networks and still waiting for Trump to pivot, even it can carry this the rest of the way. So I am retiring from political commentary in all media venues. This is...
Yeah, that's a, a sad commentary right there that Keith Oberman, one of my favorite talk show hosts, one of my favorite TV people, uh, and his commentary, uh, you know, mostly, if not all, blistering Donald Trump. It's going to be, I mean, he was on YouTube. He had a YouTube channel and uh, he was giving these commentaries, blistering Donald Trump. You can find his commentaries all over the place. If you go online, um, they're all timely. So <laughs> if you, if you, uh, I think he did, has done about 150, 160 of these uh, um, YouTube videos um, blasting Donald Trump and they're all over the place. The first even his first YouTube video, Blasting Donald Trump, stands up today, and he's done 150 or more of them. And uh, it's sad to see that he is giving up. I, I, I think he's giving up. I think he's giving up the good fight. I mean, we got Donald Trump in there. We have to fight until we, this man is out of office, even if it's 2020, and he will not be elected again. Uh, I, dis I totally disagree with Keith Oberman on this. I think he should stay. Stay and see the fight through. Giving up? Give me a break. Don't give up, Keith. I mean, we're out here fighting a good fight. You know, so, but, you know, he's gone. And there's been no more videos since I've, uh, you know, played the last one. There's no more videos out there of him. Uh, no more latest ones. We have a lot of the older ones. We, we can still listen to those. And they're still just as potent as the day they were actually produced. So um, Keith Olbermann is, if you know what I'm talking about, Keith Olbermann, he's a uh, journalist. Um, he's been on MSNBC. They fired him because he was such a liberal. <laughs> he was such a progressive. And the station, they couldn't take it. They couldn't stand it. They fired Ed Schultz. And I'm pretty sure Ed Schultz hasn't said one negative thing about MSNBC. NBC and they're firing, that's because he probably signed some sort of a clause saying, uh, we're going to give you this big payout, but you have to promise that you will not say anything bad about uh, MSNBC. You know, and that's probably what happened, but everybody who loved Ed Schultz know that it was wrong for MSNBC to fire Ed Schultz, all because they were going um, Republican. <laughs> That's no doubt about it. They were trying to do. They were trying to do the things that Fox News did because Fox News at that time, at that period of time, had the highest ratings of any television show in the universe. So you know, but you know, at that time, but Fox. I I did a show yesterday, um, criticizing Fox News, criticizing the folks that they have on there uh, lying and spinning and twisting the truth and trying to threaten and scare their viewers into violence, you know, because that's Donald Trump's mantra, violence. You know, he loves that. I mean, if you saw his rallies and the things that he's said, the things that he has incited, you know, uh, it's 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 true. It is true. Fox News. I, I mean, I really uh, you go back and listen to that show. It's podcasted. Um, you'll see how 
I was really in their asses at Fox News because it's ridiculous how some of those folks over at Fox News, some of those pundits or some of the guests that they have on those shows, Hannity and all the rest of that uh, garbage on Fox, it's ridiculous the way these people just make up stuff and lie through their noses and teeth. (laughs) I guess they're booking for a permanent job on Fox, so they have to, you know, lie through their teeth and threaten their viewers and spewing all kind of hate and violence and victory all and you know it, it was just too much i was uh i was watching fox news i don't watch fox news but somehow i found myself watching it and i couldn't believe what i was hearing even though i heard other talk show hosts say that uh fox news is out of control uh they're selling their souls to the devil to try to protect Trump, to try and lie for Trump and try to fire Robert Mueller, who is uh, investigating the Russia involvement of the Trump team. And it's a lot of evidence there. I mean, I'm even hearing I'm hearing that there has been an indictment will be an indictment because there is a grand jury being seated now. I heard that from, and I read that from credible sources. Uh, you know, I'm just hoping that it comes to fruition. You know, uh, and it might, it may, because people are trying to find out what the hell is going on with Mueller, Bob Mueller, and obviously those people over there at Fox News, cable Fox News, they are um, sweating in their jeans. They are quaking in their boots because they know that Donald Trump is guilty as hell, and they know if he doesn't fire Robert Mueller, Mueller, that he will be indicted, subpoenaed, or something. Go to jail. It doesn't make any sense that everybody around Trump is going to jail, and he's not. When he (laughs) is the biggest criminal in the White House, and also groper-in-chief. You got a dozen or so women out here right now uh, saying that Trump should resign. I mean, sexual assault, sexual misconduct has took the jobs of Al Sharpton, Kevin Spacey, Harvey Weinstein. Why not Donald Trump? He's the biggest groper in chief of them all. He's on tape saying that he wants to grab women by their genitals on tape. And there are so many women who were in some of these pageants that Donald Trump owns that he walked in on them while they were dressing just because he owned the pageant. There are some women talking about rape. All of these lives are ruined because of sexual misconduct, but not Donald Trump. And like as I've said yesterday, I think the reason why the Republicans aren't impeaching Donald Trump and the Democrats are not calling for his impeachment is because they want the investigation into Russia meddling in, into the 2016 election to go forward. They want to see uh, what's going to come out of this investigation with Robert, with Robert Mueller. But you have to realize uh, Trump could fire him because he's being pressured to fire him by his ass kissers. He's being pressured to fire him. 
Trump is quaking in his boots. Someone said that he was shitting bricks because he knew, he knows that his ass is grass because he is uh, the main fish that Bob Mueller is after in this in investigation into the Russia meddling. And I've said so many times that Trump is a fake president. He wasn't elected by the American people. Uh, he was put in by Russia. He was put in by Vladimir Putin, his partner in crime. <laughs> his partner in crime. I mean, if you if you were paying attention to that Asia twelve day Asia visit, I mean, when he when he was with uh, Putin, I mean, Trump was gushing like a, uh, a a little child that he is. He was gushing. He was, you know, he was next to his partner in crime, his big brother, someone he looked up to. <laughs> and then he gets his ass back to America and start, you know, he was messing around over there in Jerusalem and violence broke out for something that he shouldn't have done or shouldn't have said. But Trump is, he's all about violence. This man is all about violence, you know, and it, it's just a shame that America has sunken so low because of this guy. I mean, other countries, they're looking at us, they're laughing, they're wondering why in the hell are we taking this from this guy and this administration? But remember, Fox News is just a television show. It's just a television show. You know, people, uh, it's a television show where people, uh, our guests on the show and, and say what the hell they want to say. They can't make policy. They can't uh, do legislation. They can just yell and bitches about this investigation. And that's what they're doing. They're lying through their teeth. Fox News, cable Fox News, because there is a broadcast of Fox News. I think it's 32. But I'm talking about um, cable Fox News with Sean Hannity and all of those folks that seem to crawl out from under a rock somewhere and spread that garbage uh, out to millions and millions of Americans. But Americans are smart. I don't think Americans are buying anything whatsoever that comes out of Fox. Fox News, cable Fox News. I don't think anybody's buying anything. I think, as I said yesterday on the show, I believe that a lot of people tune into Fox News to see how silly the guests are going to be and going to act, to see how much they are going to lie and try to sway your opinion, try to sway your thoughts, try to sway your um, thinking. Yeah, the Fox News want to control everything about you so they can easily uh, lie to you, fool you, con you, trick you. Stay away from Fox News. They're poison. It, they are poison. And they're Trump ass kissers. These people are selling their souls to protect Donald Trump. Obviously, a lot of them, a lot of those assholes on Fox News should be fired. I don't understand why the station puts up with 
crap like that, maybe because the owner, the managers, are racist and assholes themselves. I couldn't believe some of the things I was hearing as I was listening to Fox News uh, for, for, for at least that period of time, for, for that time, because I don't watch it. I mean, it, it just happened to come across, I just happened to come across it, and it was there. And the and the lies and the garbage and and the <laughs> and the shouting and the screaming, you know, it, it's just pitiful. Shouting and screaming at millions of people with lies, trying to convince people with lies and BS. Yeah, some people are going to buy it because, as I've said, some people are stupid. Some people are going to buy it. But I do believe in my heart that there's more smart people out here than there are dumb people. There's more educated people out here than there are uneducated people. There are more people out here who will do the right thing than those who will do the wrong things. All right, you've been listening to the George Rother Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. Once again, I want to thank my guest, uh, Jasmine Andrews, um, for her passion. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's contagious. Sometimes I, I'm passionate myself on the show, and it does get con- contagious. I love people to be on the show uh, and give out that passion. You know, because it's the kind of show I get passionate too. I mean, whenever I'm talking about something that uh, intrigues me or something that doesn't intrigue me, uh, I get passionate about it. And but you, you're never going to catch me yelling and screaming and lying and and being uh, being a total ass and trying to con you, trying to lie to you, and trying to um, get inside your head and your thoughts and twist them the wrong way like Fox Cable News does every night. It, it, it's a shame that America has sunk so low in the world today. It, it's it's pathetic. You know, but we have to um, we have to tell ourselves that it's time for us to fight and take back our country. The Republicans on Fox uh, at Fox News, they don't believe that. They don't think we're going to do a damn thing. They want you to vote. They want you to vote to take away your Medicaid. They want you to vote to take away your Medicare. They want you to vote to take away your Social Security. They want you to vote to take away your happiness. And they're lying and screaming and yelling and bitching on Fox News just so they can do that. Those people on Fox News, they don't give a damn about you. If you're working, you have a job, you have a family, you're getting a paycheck every week or every two weeks, they don't give a damn about you. It's all about the rich people. They don't care if you eat or not. They don't care if you live or die, but they want your vote. They want you to vote for them. They want you to support them. Even though they will tell you right in front of your face that they that they're not going to do a damn thing for you, but you should still give them their vote. This is Trump supporters. 
This is Trump supporters. I've said many times that there has been a war. There is a war on Americans by the Trump administration. I mean, just just think about it. He's trying to screw your 401k. He's, he wants to cut Medicaid, food stamps. He wants Social Security. He wants Medicaid. He wants to uh, curtail banking uh, regulations. He's trying to get into the restaurant business saying that uh, waitresses should be giving their tips to the managers and the owners. This guy is working against us. The greatest terrorist in America is Donald Trump. It's Donald Trump. He's working against us. He's anything that you like, he's going after. Facebook. He was on his he was coming after Facebook. He was coming <laughs> because Facebook is not um does not like Donald Trump, period. Facebook does not like Donald Trump, and he knows it. Facebook criticizes him. Facebook, and Facebook is, when it comes to Donald Trump, I thought I was really uh, being negative toward Donald Trump, but Facebook is, uh, is, is relentless, relentless. They have no mercy. <laughs> they are relentless, if I can say the word. I can't even say the word. Um, anyway, Facebook is, is, is not on the side of Donald Trump, and I understand that. So that's the reason why Donald Trump was at one time, maybe he still is, coming after uh, Facebook. Also, the Trump administration is trying their best in many ways to suppress the upcoming vote. They're trying to find ways to keep us from voting. This guy has a war with us, the American people, not with Korea, Iran, or Russia, or any other country, rogue country. It's with his own people, the FBI, CIA, all these other agencies that he has criticized. The things that he's, the things that he and Fox News have said about the FBI and Bob Mueller is just atrocious, and we're all embarrassed about it. We have to apologize for America for having such assholes like those on Fox. We have to apologize. We're sorry uh, for Fox News. We, we are very sorry for the behavior of Donald Trump. We have to apologize because the entire world is looking at us as, wow, why do you, why do you Americans put up with what's going on in Washington, why do you put up with what Donald Trump and his criminal goons are throwing out there to you? Why are you letting these things happen? Other countries are saying they're laughing at us. They're feeling sorry for us. They're leaving us. Donald Trump is taking us, uh, our allies, other countries are leaving us in the dust because of Donald Trump and the Republicans. And I, I keep harping back to years and years and years and years how 
So many people criticized the Democrats when they were in control of everything. People criticized the Democrats, but the Democrats, no matter what you think about them, and I'm not a Democrat, no, the Democrats, no matter what you think about them, they would have never, ever brought our country to the brink that it is the way the Republican has. And they keep doing it because they don't give a damn. They don't care. A bunch of rich, old, white men uh, hurting so many people. A few white men in Congress trying to hurt or wanting to hurt 320 million Americans. That's ridiculous. We have to get Democrats in office in 2018, November 2018, because it is so detrimental. Our country is at stake. Uh, our country is at stake right now, right at, as long as Donald Trump and the Republicans are in cahoots and in charge and appear to be running everything. We're in trouble because these people, they don't care about you. They don't care about your family. They don't care about your home, your apartment. They don't care if you eat, you don't eat, you live, you die. They just don't give a damn. They go in those, back, they, they walk into those back rooms where there's no cameras and laugh their ass off at all of us. That's the best time to actually uh, try to get to know some of these people. Republicans find out who they really are, get the camera off of them. And they're just as nasty, rude, bitter, vindictive, vile. However, when that camera lights up, they're smiling, <laughs> trying to make you think that they are out there for you. They're not out there for you. They're not out there for me. They're out there for themselves. And we have to, we have to fight. We cannot sit back and let, let other people fight our battles. That's not going to happen. There's no Martha Luther King. There's no Malcolm X. There's no great leader coming out of the clouds to help us. We have to fight our own battles. But I can't walk. I'm disabled. I'm in a wheelchair. You have a phone, right? It works, right? You have a computer, email, fax, call. Even though uh, a lot of times you can email, you can fax, you can protest, all this stuff. A lot of these uh, congressmen and, and senators, they just ignore that. Because people all over the the country are saying, facts, call in. You call in, they mute their phones. They don't, they ignore it. You, 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 you email, they ignore it. They might, not, they might not see it. They may not want to see it. So the Republicans, the Republicans, they know the pulse of the country. They know where we are. We are basically anti-Trump and they know it but they don't care. Trump is a criminal. They don't care. As long as Trump 
as long as they can get what they want from Trump, he will still be in office. Trump is going to give them what they want. They want a lot of things. They want Social Security cuts. They want Medicaid cuts. They want um, Medicare cuts. Trump can give them that. As long as they haven't got everything that they want from Trump, the Republicans in Congress, they're not going to impeach him until they get what they want. Until they get everything that they want from Trump, then they're going to impeach him because they uh, want to keep their jobs and they want to stay in power. And they know that Trump and his poll numbers are in the gutter. And that's going to um, bring in a Democratic sweep in November of 2018. This is what they're afraid of. But they will not impeach Trump, no matter how much money out there and, and people calling for his impeachment. They're not going to do it until they get what they want from Trump. They've got tax reform. Um, he still hasn't signed it. They're still, I've, I believe they're still trying to reconcile the two bills, uh, one from the representatives, House of Representatives, and the other from the U.S. Senate. They have to reconcile those two bills, if you know what I'm talking about. However, um, let, let, let's just say that's a done deal. So Trump will sign that into law once they reconcile that bill, and it will go into effect. So they got the tax reform, which is basic, basically tax cuts for the rich. There's no way else to say it. Tax cuts for the damn rich. Billionaires and millionaires who don't need tax cuts. They don't need those few pennies. But the Republicans, they are hell-bent on giving the rich your money. They're hell-bent on that. And also, they're going to cut Social Security, as I've said. And when they cut all of these other social programs, they're going to give the money right over to the rich and leave you to starve to death, get thrown out in the street, lose your benefits. You don't have health. They don't give a damn. They just don't care. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. See, I could get passionate, right? Yeah, but th these are things that I believe in. And I, these are things that I believe are wrong. And they're uh, just wrong. They're ugly. They're just wrong. Fox News is just wrong. The Republicans are just wrong. This is our country, America. And we must stand up and fight for it. Or we will lose it. There's no doubt about it. And... The moment we lose it, and when we lose it, the Republicans are just going to go in the back room and laugh their asses off. I mean, it's going to be belly laughs because that's all they're doing, laughing at us because we don't have anything, laughing at us because they are in power and we're not. Hey there, friends and fans. This is George Wilder Jr. of the George Wilder Jr. Show. <laughs> I want you to enjoy my fictional writings located on Amazon and elsewhere. Uh, the website is www.amazon.com slash author slash gwilder or, or go to the Amazon website and type my name in the text bar above 
to either order or download a book, a story, essays, novels, novelettes, whatever you want to do. And I want to thank you very much for that. And as always, good reading. This is George Wilder Jr. And keep listening. There's always more to come. All right. Thank you, everybody. brought us to the brink of nuclear war, obstructed justice at the FBI, and in direct violation of the Constitution, he's taken money from foreign governments and threatened to shut down news organizations that report the truth. If that isn't a case for impeaching and removing a dangerous president, then what has our government become? I'm Tom Steyer, and like you, I'm a citizen who knows it's up to us to do something. It's why I'm funding this effort to raise our voices together and demand that elected officials take a stand on impeachment. A Republican Congress once impeached a president for far less. Yet today, people in Congress and his own administration know that this president is a clear and present danger, who's mentally unstable and armed with nuclear weapons. And they do nothing. Join us and tell your member of Congress that they have a moral responsibility to stop doing what's political and start doing what's right. Our country depends on it. Heaven help the child who never had a home. Heaven help the girl who walks the streets alone. Help the roses if the bombs begin to fall. Heaven help the black man if he struggles one more day. Heaven help the white man if he turns back away. Heaven help the man who kicks the man as a crawl.
everybody. Take care and thank you.
Drag queen into the drag queen. Into the dragon. Drag queen. You gonna look at something else? Bruce Lee. 